Right, welcome everyone to Fazlift's podcast episode 56. Today is going to be a Q&A episode, so uh, let's get right into it. First question is from Al. Um, question is, what simple advice would you give to someone looking to gain muscle? Okay, now, I think before we talk about what advice um, to gain muscle, we can also and should also talk about why we want to gain muscle. Because I think that's an important question. The reason is the fitness slash bodybuilding industry is kind of its own, own worst enemy when it comes to stuff like this. Because we, um, we're always talking about building muscle, you know, and it's all about body confidence, uh, looking good, feeling good about ourselves, all that kind of stuff. But actually, there are, there are a number of really strong physiological reasons why we want to gain muscle. It's not just to look and feel good. There are actual health benefits to gaining a lot of muscle as well. So let's talk about those because that hardly ever gets talked about. Um, you know, you get, you get so many other um, niches which talk about the health benefits of, you know, eating more vegetables or this and that or more meat or whatever. But for the purpose of actually solidly building muscle, what are the benefits? We've all heard lots of benefits of losing fat, but what are the actual health benefits of building muscle? Because there are lots of them. So let's talk about that a little bit. So first of all, I think a gain in muscle generally lends itself to a higher or a gain in metabolism. So we know that all weight is metabolically active, so that's fine. Okay, we know that all weight is metabolically active. So whether it's muscle or fat, it is. Now, in my experience, through the gaining of muscle, and I, this is through myself and that of my clients, there is a, also a gain in metabolism as well. Now, we know that from the research. But the research thinks this is quite small, and that's fine. My own personal experience is different, though. So I think we've all originally heard the tales that a pound of muscle would burn an extra 50 calories per day. And then, then those got kind of poo-pooed, and it was more like it would burn an extra five calories per day. In my experience, it's probably somewhere in between the two. Now, I know people can say, you know, laboratory studies, et cetera, et cetera, but the laboratory studies don't track someone over a 10-year period of time how, and, how, and see what the metabolism difference is after having gained, say, 10 to 20 pounds of mass. They simply track person-to-person person and compare people of the same rough sort of height and weight. That's, that's fine. But I think the building of additional tissue, in my experience, does seem to ramp up the metabolism more. Call it a bit of bro science, whatever, but that's just my experience. So N equals one. Could be wrong on that, but that's what I've seen. Um, like I know right now, my metabolism at my age, almost 40, is a lot better than it was in the 20s. A lot better. And I'm able to stay uh, leaner on more calories and bigger overall. And it's not a small difference either. It's quite a big difference. Um, some of that will be activity levels, but even so, taking into that account, taking that into account, um, I'm pretty sure there's a there's a fair rise in metabolism. So, ergo, the effect of that is you can essentially hold a higher body weight and be more muscular rather than hold more fat, which is always good. So, you should always be looking to maximise your muscle. Nobody natural is ever going to get too muscular. Essentially, it's not going to happen, whether that's men or women. Um, another reason is it muscle tends to help um, it's sort of anti-diabetic by nature your muscles store glycogen and so 
the muscles have a net anti-diabetic effect because your muscles will store and hold glycogen that you eat. So there's a couple of benefits there. There's also some of the benefits as you age. Generally, resistance training in general um, leads to <laughs> general in general. Resistance training leads to a stronger set of uh, joints, uh, more resistant to bone fractures. It's better hand-eye coordination, better balance. There's a lot of things which happen with increased levels of muscle mass. And we don't really talk about those concrete benefits enough, I don't think, because it's always about looking good, feeling good, all that kind of stuff. So let's go on to the question. What simple advice would you give to someone looking to gain muscle? Okay, now for somebody in Al's position, this is somebody who, he has his eyes on other sports. So Al does a lot of rowing, CrossFit, all that kind of stuff. That's his main thing. So for him, what I would suggest is just a couple of times a week, literally two times a week, go in and do a full body routine. So a full body routine would be comprised of roughly five exercises. So we'd probably do, if we start from the bottom up, we'd probably do some kind of either squat or leg press for the quads and glutes. And on the other side of the body, we'd do some kind of hip extension. So that could be either a deadlift, could be a hyperextension, good morning, something like that for the hamstrings and, and uh, glutes and hips and lower back. And then going on to the upper body, we'd want to do some type of push exercise, so a horizontal push. Um, so that's a bench press variation. could be bench press, dumbbell bench, could be an incline bench. It could even be a weighted dip. It's a great exercise. Um, then something for the upper back. So that could be a chin-up, pull-up, pull-down, or a row is fine as well. And then something for overhead. So that could be an overhead press, um, could even be an upright row as well. Um, so those, we're covering most areas of those five. Those are the big five. And when I first started training, my first year of training where I gained all that muscle, I predominantly picked a big five and just went at them all year. My own particular big five was the squat, the partial deadlift, the seated press, and the chin and the dip. Those are my big fives. And I just pounded away on those week after week, as often as I could. And I just trained the hell out of those, and I ended up gaining a ton of muscle. And I, I seem to remember I ended the year with dipping about 45 to 50 kilos in addition to my body weight. I was chinning with about 20 to 30. Squat was about 170, although it was a bit high, which I fixed for my first comp. Um, the deadlift was a sumo deadlift, about 210. Um, so I was pretty strong, you know. I was pretty strong and I gained a lot of muscle doing so. And that was the bottleneck for that was really my diet, I think, at the time. But I gained a ton of muscle. Uh, had I carried on gaining weight, I probably would have carried on gaining muscle too. So that was how I did things. Um, you don't have to have you quite as extreme in terms of your uh, results as I, as I was. But then that's all controlled by diet. So your training doesn't slap weight on you. Your training just influences the ratio of muscle to fat that you actually put on. So the weight you put on is what determines how much muscle you put on. I know that sounds obvious, but uh, you have to sort of say these things because people think people assume it's the training. So you've probably heard this before. Uh, somebody will say, well, yeah, you know, I, I, I don't want to get too big, so I'm not going to train. I don't want to train like you because I don't want to get too big or something like that. 
<laughs> it seems to be a common thing that people people like to say. But it's not really the training per se. It's the it's the accompanying diet. You can have the training of a Mr. Olympia, but if your diet is terrible, you're never actually going to gain any scale weight. So you'll never actually put on muscle. So all training does is influence the ratio of muscle to fat. So if you want to gain predominantly muscle, then get on an effective training routine. Ditch the BOSU balls and cables and whatever the crap that people are recommending you to do. And we all, Al, we all know <laughs> there are personal trainers out there who are getting you to do all kinds of stupid stuff. Ditch all that. The, that gaining body weight and doing crappy workouts is a guaranteed way to get fat. So have the best possible training routine you can and then make sure your weight gain is at a reasonable rate that you're happy with. That's the best way to put on muscle. So that then, you know, it, we, we can get in, we can get, we can expand this out to other parts of the routine as well. So right now I've only just talked about the routine and I've set it, set you up with a um, twice a week, full body routine, five exercises. In the beginning, you can just simply repeat those exercises over and over and over and over again. Um, what I would do at some point is look to have two sets of exercises. So one set of five on one day and another set of five exercises on the other day. So, so let's pick some examples. So let's, let's cover the lower body first so you can understand the differences between what I'm trying to say here. So with the first lower body session, you might do a squat and a partial deadlift. That's a great lower body session. The next lower body session, you might do some type of deadlift, perhaps a full deadlift or a stiff leg deadlift, as well as a leg press. So there we go. Those are two lower body sessions. They're different, but they both utilize for big exercises, big results producing exercises. And then if we look at the upper body, I personally like the combination of a overhead press, a chin and a dip on one day. And the next day, do more like a bench press, a row, and then an upright row. That works very well. So that's two full body training sessions there. Only five exercises each, roughly three working sets. Okay. And you've got a decent amount of volume, which you can do alongside the rest of, this, the, rest of the things you're doing during a week, like CrossFit or rowing. I know you're interested in that. And that would work for somebody whose sole interest is not bodybuilding. It's just it's, their, their main interest is something else. Um, after that, of course, the routine would need to be expanded out. Once you get to the point where you're not progressing, we would need to expand out the routine. Generally, when I say expand out, it's generally doing more work, not less. So it is what it is. You'll reach a ceiling with the current amount of work you're doing, and you'll need to add more at some point. Um, sometimes that can be fixed you know, by just taking a week off and going at it, but eventually you'll reach a real, and that's, that's what I would call a soft wall. Eventually you'll reach a hard wall where you'll really need to change your routine. And at that stage, yeah, you might want to just increase the volume, but systematically. But, you know, we could talk some more at that, at that stage. So hopefully that answers the question. That's some simple advice. People look to gain muscle. But always remember this, just to, just to round that point out, always remember this. Train in the most effective way. That's, that's a definite. So don't be fooled by these idiot PTs out there. And they're still out there. In 2020, people are still using BOSU balls and doing light workouts because they don't want to get too big. That's, that's the quote. I don't want to get too big. You just want to tone. It's, it's moronic. Use the best possible program. And then it will ensure that any weight that you do add is mostly muscle. If you use a crappy program and eat enough to add weight, then all that's going to happen is the majority of that weight you add is going to be fat, not muscle. If you use a great program 
and you add a little bit of weight, you control how much weight you're adding, then you're more likely to see more muscle from that approach. The weight that you add, which is a direct result of what you eat, is what determines whether you add weight or not. It determines whether you add muscle or not. Again, that sounds like a really obvious point, but it's worth pointing out because people have this massive misconception that if you train like Mr. Olympia, you're just going to gain pounds and pounds of muscle. It's just not true. For one, it's really difficult to do so. I mean, you just look around, you just look around any commercial gym that you go to and most people are undersized. They're just small. And those are people actively trying to get big. So use the most effective training you possibly can. Just moderate your weight gain. And then your, the weight training will ensure that the majority of what you put on is muscle. You always have to do things in the best possible way. All right, moving on. So this is a question by Joe. Should women train the same as men? So, yeah, should women train the same as men? Good question. Um, if you've got the same goals, yep, they should. They definitely should. There's no reason why they shouldn't. Physiologically, there's not a massive difference between men and women in terms of um, how they respond to weight training. Um, so I'm just going to say that, emphasize that again. Physiologically, there's not a massive difference between how men and women respond to weight training. There's the magnitude of response, which differs. But then that differs between different men as well. So there's the magnitude of, of change, of adaptation, which occurs. So growth, which occurs, and fat loss, which is dependent on the individual's genetics. But that's the same for every individual on the planet, you know? So in terms of the actual training, that should be the same because we're still trying to elicit the same result. We're still trying to grow muscle. And, you know, on that note, you, you, you use your training to grow muscle. You don't use your training to burn calories. That's stupid. It's moronic. Um, everyone should be training to build muscle or conserve muscle if they're losing weight. No one should be using their gym training to lose weight. That is absolutely stupid because then all you're doing is you're turning what should be an amazing opportunity for your body to build muscle mass into a really crap opportunity for you to waste time at the gym and not get the muscle mass you need and also not really get a particularly great cardio effect either. I would much rather somebody, if they want to do, somebody like, like the previous question, like in Al's example, I would much rather somebody do the minimum amount of weight training necessary to gain muscle and then fill that the rest of the time in with a bunch of cardio to lose weight. That would be the best possible scenario for somebody who likes, who wants to lose weight. And to be fair, that's even fairly similar to what I do for my bodybuilding clients, my physique clients, will be put them on the minimum amount of training necessary to hold on to muscle mass and then use the diet and cardio to strip the fat off them. You don't need much training to actually stimulate growth. So should women train the same as men? Absolutely, they should as long as the goals are the same. And for the most part, if you're in the gym and you're training for the purpose of gaining muscle, then you're on the right track, then your training should look the same anyway. If you're in the gym for the purpose of burning calories, you're doing the wrong thing. So, you know, don't be silly. <laughs> um, so yeah, women should train the same as men, absolutely. On a practical note, some women like to put a, a, a stronger emphasis on the lower body, and that's fine. That's okay as well. Um, for those women, I'd say, maybe have something like a couple of lower body sessions a week. So, you know, something like an upper lower or multiple full body workouts might work well for a small woman, you know, training the leg structure and the glutes a couple of times a week. I think an upper lower is quite nice um, for a semi-advanced, like an intermediate um, trainee. I have a couple on the books right now who are doing pretty much that. For a guy, 
you may or may not may want to place more attention on the upper body or at least have a more balanced approach either way but uh, just a consideration to think about so whereas a guy i would probably have him training low body maybe once or twice a week for a girl probably more like two or three times a week just due to the difference in aesthetics assuming that's their preference all right so next question is by uh, philippa hansen <laughs> Uh, thoughts on steady state cardio for off days and leg days. Um, yeah, I'm a big fan of steady state. You know, I don't think you can really do too much of that realistically. Um, you'll know when you've done too much. If you're doing hours and hours per day, then you've done too much. But steady state would imply you're going to go at it at a pretty relaxed pace. You can still carry on a conversation while you're on the treadmill, for example, or walking outside. Um, yeah, I think it's fine. I, I think it's fine. I think if you're going to do it straight after a training session, Ideally, try and get a protein shake in you after the session, so the, after the weight training session, and then jump onto the cardio treadmill and do your tread, do your uh, cardio. On leg days, I don't see if you can st if you can stomach it, then fine. I personally can't stomach to do any uh, cardio on leg days, so I, I try not to. So my leg day is Wednesday, and I generally don't do any cardio on Wednesday. On other days, I will usually do about twenty minutes or so most of the year. So that's, I, I'll do about 20 to 30 minutes of cardio uh, four times a week now because I train five days a week. But yeah, leg days, um, nothing inherently bad with it, but I'd rather just have a protein shake and then do your cardio if you must. Now, an even better option is just to split it up, if you, but then this becomes very impractical in terms of timing. So a better option would be just to separate your training sessions out. So do your weight training early, maybe in the morning, and then go carry on with the rest of your day and then do your cardio at night or something like that. That'd be probably a better option. However, uh, you know, we're talking practicalities here, but uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. Okay. This was a question from Kai. Kai asks the difference between a cheat meal, a free meal and a refeed. Okay. So this is a, a really good question. Um, let's talk about this. Now the differences between a cheat meal and a free meal, it's mostly conceptual. So initially, <laughs> there used to be this big fuss about not calling a cheat meal a cheat meal because there are negative connotations to that, uh, <laughs> which um, I think is um, interesting. I don't completely agree with it <laughs> uh, because we know from the uh, binge eating and eating disorder research that it's not so much what you call or what you do with regards to your food, it's how you react to it. So one person could have a massive cheat meal and uh, be perfectly fine with it. The next day, carry on with what they're doing. Great. There's no negative reaction. It's fine. It didn't matter whatsoever. They called it a cheat meal. Another person could have a free meal and feel absolutely terrible after it. Their free meal, quote unquote free meal, is them going absolutely nuts with you know pizza and ice cream or whatever else. <laughs> uh, you know, And then wake up the next day feeling absolutely bloated and crap and awful. And, you know, so what's, what's better? It, it, the name doesn't mean anything. It's the concept. It's how you react to it. It's the concept of why you're doing it. If it's part of your plan, then that's fine. It's part of your plan, whatever. But just the name, the name itself, it just makes me laugh when people try and simplify concepts down to just words and like two words. Um, so you'll get your fit pro online going, well, I don't do cheat meals. I do free meals. <laughs> it's like, well, just... It is in practice, in practice, there's very little difference. It's how you react to it. You can call it whatever you like. And yes, I understand the argument about negative connotations and good foods and bad foods, all that kind of stuff. But 
that's just easy to convey information. If we actually look at what we're saying, bodybuilders have been doing cheat meals for decades, right? I'm not saying bodybuilders are the healthiest bunch, but there are plenty of bodybuilders out there right now who do a cheat meal and think nothing of it. They look forward to it and the next morning they'll be full and round and they'll carry on with their day happy and refreshed and all that kind of stuff. There's nothing wrong with it. So do I think that calling it a cheat meal is inherently bad? No, I don't. But so free so but then and also calling it a free meal is not inherently good either. It is it is really more to do with how you respond to it, how you react to it. So listen, if your coach has said have a free meal or a cheat meal, it's fine. Just have it, don't stress about it. It's part of the plan. Have it within the guidelines. All I will say is free meals, due to the very nature of the type of people who say free meal, <laughs> the type the type of person who, who calls it a free meal is probably going to be more conscious of what they're eating. They're probably more directed. But again, that doesn't mean to say that they're going to be healthier psychologically. So it's more a case of how you deal with it and how it's part of your plan rather than the name that you give to it, you know, a rose banyan of the name and all that. <laughs> with regards to a refeed, refeeds tend to be a bit longer. Um, a refeed could be anything from a matter of a few hours to a few days. Anything above a few days, you're probably looking at a diet break. But yeah, refeed is that. And refeeds tend to focus more on carbohydrates, in my experience. So a refeed will be carb heavy, whereas a cheat or free meal would essentially just be, should probably have. Now, I always say, a cheat or free meal is something like a burger and fries or some Chinese food or a kebab. There's still a fair amount of protein and fat in there. Whereas a refeed could be predominantly carbohydrates, keeping protein and fat very, very low. That would be my rough definition. But there's also some room for flexibility there as well. Early on in a diet, if you're having a refeed, and you just need to psychologically have a few things. Like if I want you know, bacon and pancakes and maple syrup as my refeed, then as part of my refeed then fine i'm going to have them early on in the diet that's not really going to make a massive difference later on it might do when calories are tighter when you need to get the replenishment of the leptin levels by higher carbohydrate levels and every calorie counts then yes it might become more important but as it is with all these things it's more a case of what your body needs and we're not going to exactly know that we can just go by the gruff guidelines so on average though i would say refeed tends to be more carb heavy with less protein and fat, keeping those low, just to try and drive leptin, uh, adapt, sort of just to fix the leptin um, adaptations and get your leptin levels back up to normal as much as you can within a few hours to a few days. So yeah, hopefully that was helpful. Um, just as a quick roundup to that, you know, the, the cheap free meal thing, it really, you, you have to, if anyone's out there saying that a cheap meal is bad and a refeed is and a, and a free meal is good, they're, they're fucking stupid. I'll, I'll go on record saying that they're fucking stupid. If someone's making a, a point about saying a cheat meal is X and a refeed and, and a free meal is Y, cheat meal is bad and, and a free meal is good, I go on record saying they're fucking stupid because that's wrong. That is wrong. It is much more to do with how you react to the meal than it is to do with what you call it. It's just stupid. You know, um, so hopefully that's answered the question. Um, next up, we've got a question from uh, my buddy Warren. Warren had a long question about Herbalife, basically because one of his friends was pitched um, by Herbalife to try and be an affiliate. And he knows that's something I've written about before with the keto bollocks, which seems to have infiltrated my hometown like a virus uh, with a bunch of low IQ 
fit pros uh, jumping on board the uh, keto OS bandwagon. <laughs> um, so, yeah, what do I think of Herbalife? I think there's a couple of things to be said here. The first thing is with regards to how much money you make. So let's just pretend for a second you've got no morals whatsoever. You don't give a shit about hurting other people, ripping them off, <laughs> right? Let's just talk about the money, okay? Let's just say you're a stone-cold businessman. <laughs> you don't care about ripping off your friends, family, all that kind of stuff, okay? A uh, little Doris across the road, you're going to sell her Herbalife as well, fuck it. Um, so with regards to that money-making opportunities, there's a study that I read by the AARP which looked at how much money people actually make as, when they're involved in these MLM schemes. And it, the figure that they came up with of the people interviewed, and there was a lot, about 75% of them, 75% so three quarters, they either didn't make any money or they lost money. So ask yourself, do you like those odds? I don't. So you've got a one in four chance of actually making some money. And now let's bring the other side into the equation. What about the actual moral ramifications? What about the what, what do these products do for you? So I think there's two parts of this as well. One is the cost of the product. So Herbalife is incredibly expensive for what it is. It's, they are protein shakes and meal replacements and various other products, all of which you can get cheaper from my protein and bulk powders. And let's look at the quality. My protein and bulk powders regularly get tested by external agencies. So non-biased agencies test these guys and their protein to make sure that they're on level and they're always, always good. Conversely, <laughs> Herbalife has got studies showing acute liver damage from people taking their products. That's quite a difference. So you're paying more for a product which is more likely going to actually hurt you than harm you. Whereas if you buy it just from bulk powders or my protein or any other number of cheap supplement stores online, you're getting a product which is better quality, is more likely to have what it says inside it, and you're not going to end up in hospital, potentially on your deathbed with liver damage. I'd say that's a win. You're saving money, and also you saved your liver. It, <laughs> it baffles me that people actually still buy that shit. Like we've, it's been around for years. We know it's shit. Everyone knows it's shit. We know the keto OS is shit. as well. We know it's all shit. It's all just preying on people who are out of ideas. Preying on people who are sat at home listening to or watching social media, going through the feed, trying to find an answer to what they're looking for. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to go off on another tangent as well on this because the reason that the fitness industry is so fucked is because most PTs out there are just shit. That's why. That's why. It's nothing to do with people. Like people are sat there at home, and I've talked to people, and they, they, they've stopped believing in their ability to lose weight. They've stopped believing in their ability to actually get fit. They talk to me and go, well, I couldn't do what you do because I do this, I do X, I do Y. I do a job, I've got kids, all that kind of stuff. It's all just like they've stopped believing. Why have they stopped believing? Because fit pros have failed them. They failed them. Nine out of 10 PTs, yes, I made the statistic up, are just shit. That's it. You've got your, all your different random types of PTs. You've got your, um, I, you know, you got the F, you got the F the haters PT. You know the guy who is on his Instagram all day, talking about how many haters he's got. It's like no one fucking hates you, dickhead. You don't even, no one even knows who the fuck you are. <laughs> he's probably posting about his haters. He doesn't know what he's doing. He has some like random advertising plan which just involves him 
just getting naked five days out of seven posting pictures and that's that's his plan and you know sometimes it's not a hater sometimes you don't have haters sometimes you just should really just evaluate and look at yourself and maybe change what you're doing so it's not you got that guy then you got the other guy the sort of the hopeless i just want to please everybody like and my life my life's mission is to help people like oh god i throw up a little bit in my mouth when i hear these people and my life's mission is to help people like just stop your life's mission is not to help people. Nobody wants your help. Just stop it. So the, those kind of people, they try and be too nice. Sometimes fat loss isn't nice. Sometimes training is not nice. Okay? So you've got a range of these different PTs, and they've all failed you. They've all failed you. So you're sat at home thinking to yourself, I can't lose weight because there's something wrong with me. Like, there's something wrong with my insulin levels or my age or my timetable. I'm too busy, all that kind of stuff. No, it's not you. It's the fact that all these PTs are brainless morons, and they've failed you. That's the main reason why. But yeah, to go off on that rant, um, I, I I I know that because I see them. I see them all over. I see them all the time on Instagram. I see them all the time in the gym. They never really get any particularly great results. They pick up one or two clients who already look good. They put some pictures up of them. There's some limited weight loss sometimes, but then they just blow back up the month after because they've just done it in a crap way. Half these PTs, they don't know what they're doing, and they failed you. So if you're sat at home thinking to yourself, yeah, you know what, I'll, I'll maybe start a weight loss thing. I'll maybe try one of these diets. Th that's why. It's because of these crap PTs. That's why people buy Herbalife, because of these shit PTs who don't know what they're doing, because they've given up. So the average person just has, has tried X number of diets and has just given up because they can't make it work, because none of these PTs know what they're freaking doing. So that's how, that's how my rant relates to Herbalife. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it's it's ridiculous. It, I, I despair. Not to blow my own trumpet, but like I've been churning out fat loss transformations now for years, and we're talking big, lasting fat, fat loss, fat loss transformations, anywhere between twenty to sixty-six pounds of lasting fat loss, because I do things in a scientifically proven way, in a way which I know works from my own experience, because I've done it on myself as well. And you, any number of Peters out there, they just don't know what they're doing. You just get these stereotypical clowns who try and make a career out of what is a very unregulated industry. It is. like No one's really tested when they come in there. You can just start up an Instagram and just say you're a PT. Great, fantastic. Just tell all your mates to follow you on Instagram because apparently that's just the best way to get clients, right? Um, it's baffling. And the reason I get annoyed, and people might think it's like, why, why does Faz feel so strongly about this? The, people, the reason I get annoyed is because I used to be that fat kid. I was. So maybe it's a little bit of my, <laughs> maybe it's like me, me feeling affronted, my, my, the, the inner fat kid inside me feeling affronted because I used to be that fat kid. And I followed that bad advice. And I wasn't happy with my weight. I went up and down and up and down in my weight all through my 20s. When I finally figured out how to do it, it's a lot different to what people are actually doing. I'm saying online. Like this, it's a very famous PT, a very famous online coach whose whole thing is about he can get lean eating pizza. It's like, okay, grats, motherfucker. You can get lean eating pizza. I can't, all right? <laughs> Most people can't, okay? If you can, what the hell do you even need a coach for? So, yeah, it, 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 maybe that's why I get annoyed by it because I think um, there's so much crap out there. There's just a lot of crap out there. Not saying I never eat pizza, by the way. I, I, <laughs> I regularly eat junk. <laughs> but there's a time and a place. I'm saying you can't do it every day. Well, I can't anyway. And if you can, then more power to you.
you probably don't need a coach. So anyway, that's my <laughs> piece on Herbalife and my side rant on uh, the rest of it. Final question by Joe again is Watson versus Hammer equipment. For me, this is no contest. Um, hammer all the way. I don't particularly like Watson equipment. I think it's um, fairly, fairly poorly made um, in general. Uh, yeah, I just I think it is. I've never really come across a Watson machine that I particularly like. The hack squat is awkward. Um, the vertical squat is awkward. Conversely, Hammer, I mean, everything is beautiful on Hammer. The pressing, the leg press is the best leg press I've ever seen in my life, I've ever used in my life. The, um, the one where you're sort of um, seated upright and you push, the, you push the platform away. That is the, simply the best uh, leg press I've ever used in my entire life. Um, Hammer is, without a doubt, hands down, the best, some of the best equipment out there. There are a few other brands who are doing really well, but Hammer is fantastic. Watson, I no, I also you know what they're ridiculously on on, a, on another note about Watson, didn't they do some really shady stuff um, during lockdown? Like they were selling single cables for like thousands of pounds or something like that. I think somebody called them out on it um, on their Instagram as well, and they they gave some kind of smart ass reply. But uh, yeah, I so I'm not I'm not a big Watson fan. But anyway, that is enough of my ranting and raving for today. Hopefully, you all enjoyed that. Um, Subscribe to this, leave a review, uh, share it on your Instagram, your social media, all that kind of stuff. Tag me in. If you found it useful, let me know. If you didn't find it useful, actually, yeah, whatever. <laughs> right. Take care.